available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Sort of a slower week, but we got some questions to get to. We got some different news topics. Not a ton going on, David, this week, but... We want to hear from you guys. We want your questions. We want your topics. Whatever you want us to talk about in the offseason, pac12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or you could call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can also tweet us at pac12podcast. And the website is pac12podcast.com. We also are on the uh, the Reddit I got. I've got to pull that up. I, I need to put that in our intro, Dave. We got to talk about the Reddit stuff. The only time I look at the Reddit so far is when we're talking about the Reddit at the beginning of the show. Okay. Um, we need to do a better job of using the Reddit. Yeah, I have it on my laptop. I need to put it on my my office computer, and I need to put it in our intro and uh, and on the webpage because people there's people actually posting stuff in the Reddit. Yeah, frankly, you're 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 really slacking on this. <laughs> I got to add it to I mean, all I my other duties. I didn't want to say it. I, I didn't want to say it, but you, you've really been slacking. I did. Tw- I did some tweets and stuff, which I know you don't do. Uh, I thought you would take the lead with the Reddit, since you were more of a Reddit person than I've never had one or had an account. Look, I, 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 sh- I showed you the door, <laughs> but it's you that has to walk through it. Is that is that the correct so. phraseology? I think so. Uh, unfortunately, and uh, Dave's a little under weather, so give him a break. It probably won't be a very long show today. When we say that, it's the cur- the kiss of death. But I don't. There's not a lot of topics and stuff. But we'll get to all that. If you want to um, subscribe and rate us, give us a five star review, positive feedback. We love all that stuff. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, you know, find the podcast of champions. Leave us something positive there. Five star ratings are great. We love that. We love the streak that we've got going. And some awesome reviews that you guys have left. I don't know, Dave, if we have got any recent ones. We've got a new one from uh, Billy Bob V in NorCal. Five-star review on iTunes. Peak of the bell curve. Like all of the best Pac-12 teams, this podcast is ordinary. Thanks for keeping on, guys. (laughs) Okay, so they're thanking us. This is the kind of review I appreciate. Thanking us for the bare minimum. Right. For continuing to do it. Not on a quality level, just continuing. People don't realize we're being thanked. We're being thanked and appreciated for persistence. Yeah, that is it. It's a participation trophy, but it, it's hard. It's it's not easy to keep it going. That's the hardest thing to do. When people ask me about podcasting advice, it's like, hey, you want to be consistent, and we were not consistent as a show a couple years ago, and that was one of the things we'd go the whole off season. We'd go months without recording a show. So I think was it last year or the year before we decided, all right, let's just do no, it. No, I mean we've been we've been pretty hardcore about it now for like two and a half years running. Okay. Um, so it's been it's been pretty good for a while now. I would well, I wouldn't say that. I would say it's been pretty consistent for a while now. 
I, I think our quality probably dropped off as soon as we decided to be so consistent. But we're definitely more consistent now, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I think it's good, and uh, you know, we'll keep people people keep sending in the topics. We'll try to you know utilize the Reddit page a little bit more. Uh, of course, the Twitters uh, are always fun, and uh, do that, and keep sending the questions. A lot of email questions, we like that. And uh, you know, our buddy John Wilner always giving us the things to talk about. We love his newsletter. Make sure you check out the Pac-12 Hotline. He does a great job with that. And, you know, it's boring in the offseason. You're like, what's going on in the Pac-12? We check in with our buddy John. And he always has something, uh, little nuggets that are interesting. And I thought... We love nuggets. Yeah. We love nuggets here on the Podcast of Champions. I love chicken nuggets. What's your favorite? We love all sorts of nuggets. Yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite? Ch- you're, you have kids, so they must eat chicken nuggets all the time. Um, no, actually, they're not big on chicken nuggets. I have forced them to eat some of those, like freezer dinosaur nuggets okay you know those ones the ones that are shaped like dinosaurs yeah you probably eat those right uh no <laughs> you seem like somebody who eats dinosaur nuggets i, <laughs> I do like chicken uh i like chi- i had chick-fil-a this morning actually my my wife wanted some chick-fil-a so i went and picked up some uh, breakfast biscuits but i'm not usually a nugget person I, I do like the chicken sandwiches though yeah my kids aren't big nugget people they're not they're not they're not nuggeteers um but yeah who doesn't like a chicken nugget? We yeah. love nuggets. That's the main point we're trying to get across here. We love nuggets here on the Podcast of Champions. We do love some nuggets. Um, do, this is really off topic. Do your kids like the go-go squeeze like applesauce? Do you get those little pouches? So when they were when they were very young, they liked the um, basically the like squeeze – just squeeze some like very like basically pureed crap into your mouth. Okay. Um, <laughs> like they used to like that. Then they stopped liking it pretty rapidly after that. And I kind of get it. Like, have you done it? Like, have you have you had one of those things? I, well, I was going to say, because I, I was at a friend, uh, fr- my, one of my friends there, their uh, daughter was their fifth birthday. We we went out last night and, and they have a one-year-old and he was having a go-go squeeze. And I'm like, dude, I have like a case of that in my office. One of our listeners, I think for our Tunnel Vision show, is like a VP there or something and said, oh, I'm going to send you this applesauce we got. And I'm like... Okay, thanks. And you know, you could have for snacks in the office. And he sent me this huge box that I mean, I don't know how many boxes of that stuff I have, but it's good. It's just like pureed, like apple. I think there's apple, apple banana, and apple strawberry. And uh, I think it's mostly for kids. But I, I was using it as a snack. Everyone in the office was using it as a snack. So I, I didn't know if your it's kids. It's really got. weird. I, I don't know. I, it was a really weird sensation. Like just eating food like that. I didn't like it. Like an astronaut, you're like squeezing it into your mouth. Yeah, I just I don't need that. I don't need yeah. that. Like, give me a spoon. That's fine. I'll eat some applesauce. That's great. But, like, I don't even, I don't want food pureed like that. Like, I don't want to eat things like that. Come on. Oh. Give me some mouthfeel. Yeah. I don't want to, like, just, like, suck down some slurping, like, stuff that was meant to be solid and now it's not. Like, I don't want that. No. Don't give me applesauce. Give me an apple. All right. Well, we'll see. I guess they're not going to be a sponsor then. I'll have to ask them. But it was very nice. No, no. I'd love, I, I, what I mean to say <laughs> is that it's a great product. Everyone should get them. And they are really good for kids, honestly. My kids loved them until they were like three or four and they started to enjoy the you know benefits of being able to chew. Yeah. But it was good. I don't know. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, shout out. Um, thanks for uh, to the Go-Go Squeeze people. They sent a whole bunch of stuff to, to my office and uh, been eating it ever since. So my wife had oral surgery. So it's perfect. She like gets to squeeze it in her mouth. Didn't have to worry about it. Uh, good stuff. All right. Good stuff. Uh, so... One of the things, if you today's we're recording this on January twenty second, the deadline. One of the nuggets. 
one of the one nuggets. Of the this is a nugget. January 20th was the deadline for uh, early entries into the NFL. And John Wilner composed a list of everyone from the Pac-12 that left. So 14 uh, draft-eligible non-seniors. Um, so, you know, that if you look at, like, you want to compare, LSU had nine. <laughs> the whole Pac-12 uh, had 14. Oregon State? More uh, than Oregon, so which is kind of strange. But I'll, there, the list is uh, Arizona lost J.J. Taylor. We like him a lot. Um, you know, dynamic player there. ASU, you know, Benjamin, another running back's going. And their punter, uh, Michael Turk, which we talked about last week, a little little strange. Uh, no one from Cal. Big one from Colorado, LaVisca Chenault uh, leaving. No one from Oregon. So that's a, that's a positive. And Oregon State. Isaiah Hodgins, who's a stud uh, wide receiver there for the Beavs, he's gone. We talked about Colby Parkinson before. Stanford did get a, uh, I think their leading tackler from the transfer portal is coming back. So even though there was a bunch of defections from Stanford, we felt some of those guys would come back. Um, so maybe there's some help there. But Colby Parkinson, the tight end, uh, leaving from Stanford. UCLA had a tight end also, Devin Asiasi, and cornerback Darnay Holmes. USC uh, had a few guys flirting with, but only Austin Jackson, the left tackle, end up leaving. And then from Utah, a couple of defensive backs, uh, Jalen Johnson and Javelin Guidry, uh, both corners are leaving. And then Washington, three players, uh, Seven Ahmed, uh, Hunter Bryant, and then Jacob Eason, which is a bit of a surprise. And then nobody from Washington State. And then he breaks down by year. So last year, like 10 players left. 2018, 20 players left. So 14, sort of kind of in the middle, seems about average. Uh, the, the high was 2014 with 26 players left. But 14 seems about average or so for the Pac-12. Yeah, and I think, it, well, an average for recent times, which feels like it's probably a commentary on the, you know, lack of lack of top-tier quality in the league. Because um, 2014, that's coming off of the basically the best Pac-12 year in probably 20 years, which was 2013, where the Pac-12 had basically four elite teams or nearly elite teams that season. So it makes sense that there would be a big spike um, the year immediately following that. So that makes sense. Um, Washington obviously taking a big hit to its offense, but we've talked about that. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, whether they're able to rebound from that. But um yeah, well, happy trails to all those guys. Yeah, and then some of the guys coming back. Uh, we talked about last week. Oregon uh, had you know four of the defensive starters that were draft eligible. They all came back. Stanford, you know, Walker Little, the left tackle, and then uh, two-time All-Conference cornerback Paul Sidadibo. They're both going to return, so that helps a little bit. Uh, Hamilcar uh, Rashid, I, I didn't realize he led the country in tackles for loss for Oregon State. He's the edge rusher there. He's going to come back. Um, Katie Nixon, remember we talked about him from Colorado, declared, then a reverse course. So they get that wide receiver back, even though you lose LaVisca Chenault. Um, for USC, Elijah Vera Tucker was a really highly ranked offensive guard as far as pro football focus goes. He's coming back. Tyler Vaz is coming back. Jay Tefele. So some of those guys. And then for Washington, uh, two first-team all-conference players in uh, corner, Elijah Molden, and then uh, Levi on Wuziki, I believe I, I can't remember how the defensive lineman there. So he's both coming back. Uh, do you know how to pronounce it on Wuzuki? Something like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> close enough. So, yeah, I mean, 
overall, you know, kind of about average. Uh, with you know, Oregon not losing anybody, I think was a little bit of a surprise. Some of the guys leaving from Washington, uh, guys coming back to Stanford. I'm I'm curious to see how this all shakes out with Stanford and the transfer portal. And at the end of the day, what kind of you know who actually end up leaving and how big of an impact were those are those guys going to be? Yeah. Um, all right. So we got that with the NFL stuff. You're, I know you're enthralled with uh, the NFL thing. But this other one, this is pretty weird. And I, I thought I had a pretty funny tweet uh, today. So some Pac-12 news uh, that the Pac-12 network announced a new distribution partnership with what they call over-the-top streaming service, Vidgo, V-I-D. G-O. So they're doing a partnership with Vidgo. It's an internet-based, over-the-top OTT television streaming service. I guess that's just the terminology you use. It's like, I guess Hulu would be an OTT also, right? I don't know. I guess, yes. Um, I never, I hadn't really seen that term before. But Pac-12 Networks, uh, their primary national channel is now available to any subscribers in the Vidgo core package, which has more than 60 channels and comprehensive sports coverage for just... $39.99 a month. So if you were looking at this as a, hey, maybe there's like a $10 a month option, I could get the Pac-12 network. This is not this one. So it's it's 40 bucks. St- still cheaper to get Sling. Uh, I don't know anything about Vidgo, but uh, it opened that up. And then it said, in addition, all seven Pac-12 network channels, including the six regional channels, are also available on Vidgo as part of its, quote, plus package that has more than 80 channels. And that's an additional 10 bucks a month. So if you want to get all seven and you want to use this Vidgo, it's uh, 50 bucks a month. Yeah, I'd be interested in uh, hear from literally a single person who knows anything about this service. Um, because I have I had never heard about it until this was announced. Yeah, so like I'd never even heard the term Vidgo. But I'm looking at their channel lineup and it looks at worst comparable to some of the better ones like it's got abc it's got all the fox channels it's got fs1 fs2 the whole deal it also has all the espn channels and i think for to do that on sling you have to get both sling packages to get all the espns and all the foxes um it also has nfl network um the sec network the pac-12 network um so it seems to have a lot of sportsy stuff um it does seem like maybe there's uh, maybe there's a, a big soccer element on this. I'm interested to hear from anybody who has any experience with it. Um, but certainly an interesting choice, um, a streaming service that no one has ever heard of to partner with. But pretty, <laughs> pretty peak Pac-12, I think. It is very Pac-12-y. And so there were some interesting tweets. Uh, our friends over at Reddit CFB tweeted out, and I, I retweeted this with some comments, but... Yeah, they they tweeted one of our readers swung by the Pac-12 streaming partner Vidgo yesterday. They're currently uh, incubated at a company called Tulix in suburban Atlanta, and the sign on the door says they're hiring. And they have a there's two pictures, and it looks like uh, this like kind of industrial building with a big glass window and a, a sign for Tulix, and then. A little close up of it, and uh, yeah, it's very, very strange looking. It doesn't look like this is. I what I tweeted was, it looked like you know when the local news has to do some kind of gotcha piece on a uh, this fraudulent business that like you know defrauded uh, 
Someone, yeah, it looks like a front for running drunk. Right, is what <laughs> something saying. like that. Yeah, where you knock on the door and they're like, "There's no one answering," or "There's no comment," or "There's no computers inside," and it's supposed to be some like web hosting company. Um, so yeah, it's and then someone replied to the tweet. So like this place, and then they showed a picture of the Pac-12 network. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I it it looks like it was kind of put together by some some college kids or something, but that, like you said, the lineup looks pretty good. And you know, if it's, I, I, but like I said, I've never heard anything about the service before. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, certainly having some ability to get it on, uh, some new service is good. I guess a little bit more distribution. I just don't think anyone has this VidGo. No, so. this, this isn't moving the needle as far as like, okay, now PAC 12 networks is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but is it um, DirecTV like struggling a little bit? Like, I have no idea. I kind of think they are. I think, I think a lot of the cable companies type that you know that kind of stuff is. So uh, maybe the Pac-12 network just outlasts them. Maybe they go out of business or something. Who knows? Yeah, no, that's that's the Pac-12 network will be the last man standing. It'll be like the fast food wars and demolition man. It'll be like Taco Bell's now a fine restaurant. Nice. That'll be what it is. Nice. Demolition man references. Anyone out there? No, I don't think I saw no. that. Oh, it's um, it's a very bad movie um, with Sylvester Stallone and I believe Wesley Snipes from like 1991. Sandra Bullock's in it as well. Oh, okay. It's great. It's a great movie. Um, all right. Uh, next up, um, I'm gonna skip this one because I find it boring. Okay. I don't. Those, those numbers can't be right either. Um, after the departure of Mike Leach, the last of the four head coaches from the 2012 class have left the conference. Do you want to know how many, how much money they earned? How much? Over a hundred million. How many conference titles did the class of twenty twelve earn? Uh, I'm gonna go zero. Yeah, zero is correct. Zero is correct. <laughs> but it was like so it was the, looked at as a good group. I mean, I still think, like generally speaking, um, if you look at what came immediately. All right, so Mike Leach, obvious success at Washington State, probably going to go down as like what a top two or three coach ever there. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he won eleven games, right? Like that's that doesn't happen a lot. Jim Mora recontextualized, um, led UCLA to its three best seasons since '98. There are only three good seasons, basically, since the turn of the millennium. Good hire, yeah. At least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Richrod, uh, how's Kevin Sumlin doing in Arizona? Uh, not great. <laughs> <laughs> Richard was fine. He won a division title. Yeah, he did. And then you got Todd Graham, who, I mean, look, Herm Edwards, you might project that it's going to get better, but as of right now, it looks pretty similar to what Graham had to, what he had going already there. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, they didn't win a conference title or, you know, but all in all, I think they did a pretty good job. And it looks like Graham's going to get the Hawaii job. Yeah, what a fit, right? That's interesting. Um, yeah, no, the, the like peak Texas man going to Hawaii is going to be very interesting. Maybe it's a it's a path back to the Pac-12. It worked, uh, you know, Nick Rolovich got there. Every, every job's a path for him, except for ASU. It felt like that was his, uh, he would have stayed there for a long time. Yeah, the, the Nick Rolovich thing is interesting. Um, anywhere, just everything I've read about him, just everyone seems to like that guy. And it just seems that the things he does are funny. And uh he did something where like 
wings and beer or something with with players. I mean, there was uh, some of the, the when he was at the uh, American Football Coaches Association thing in Nashville. Uh, you know, I think there was. I think that might have been before he was. In, I don't remember what it was, but just there was all kinds of little funny stories coming out on Twitter about him. So we lose a personality like Mike Leach, but I think we got we got another interesting one with Rolovich. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he's going to be a lot of fun, and I think the offense will be a lot of fun. I, th- I don't think we're going to miss too much of a beat there. Yeah, Skip too much of a beat. Yeah. Um. There was okay. So let's see with, um. The, the college football playoff, there's some uh, movement there. So if you look at Rob Mullins, who was the, uh, what's it called? He was the chair. So his term is expired. So then they've added, uh, so Wyoming's athletic director, uh, Tom Berman. They added Rick George, who's the athletic director at the University of Colorado. So we lose one athletic director, gain another one. And then John uh, Urschel, who's a, uh, former All-American lineman at Penn State. So he's been added to the committee as well. So um, Frank Beamer is also gone and Chris Howard. But Rob Mullins, who was the chair, uh, committee chair, he is he's now, his term's expired, so he's out. So with him out, at the Oregon athletic director's out, but the Colorado athletic director is in. Cool. All yeah. right. Changing the guard. A little changing the guard. Uh, I know that matters a lot to you. I, you can tell, I think everyone out there can tell how much, like based on my tone of voice, based on the things I say, how much I care about a particular topic. Yeah. And always they're like, wow, Dave really cares a lot. And that's <laughs> like, you can feel it oozing through your earbuds. Yeah. Oozing. Um, Washington State um, hired Wyoming's Jake Dickert to be their new defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, he was the defensive coordinator for Wyoming. Um, so that is, I think a pretty good hire. I mean, at least from what I can recall from watching Wyoming's defense. Um, and I think he brought a couple of his guys from Wyoming as well. So yeah, good hire. I think, I don't know enough about him. I was going to try to do a little more research on him. It's not been officially, as I checked uh, an hour ago, at least it's not been officially announced, but it's been a bunch of reports for the last uh, couple of days. So, um, looks like, you know, Rolovich got his guy there. Um, same thing with USC. They're going to hire Todd Orlando, who was fired as the Texas defensive coordinator, hired by Texas Tech to be linebacker coach and assistant head coach. But now he's getting bumped up to the defensive coordinator. Been reported for the last couple of days. Same sort of thing. Hasn't been officially announced by the school yet. Um, but it looks like those, you know, USC and Washington State will both have their defensive coordinators in place. But neither one that I've seen has announced it officially yet. Very cool. All right. Um, there was one that I don't. I mean, this was a little note that our, our you know, Mike, our intern, put in there. Treshawn Harrison. I love this kind of stuff. Is listed in the Oregon State Student Directory. Um, he's uh, he's a receiver for Florida State. And I looked on his Twitter. I haven't seen any like official announcement of him. But could this be something where he's dr- transferred into Oregon State? Um, the Beavers. You know, they, they've. I think they've done pretty well with some transfers in the past. But this one is a weird one. I haven't found any kind of news or anything on it. But they, they someone dug it dug it up that his name was in the student directory. Yeah. So I, I've on college football talk from two days ago. They've got um, Treshawn Harrison as. Yeah, I think he has officially or not officially, but is he, he in the he portal? Took a visit to, 
Yeah, he was in the portal, and then his mom and him took a visit to Corvallis in early January. Okay. Um, so it sounds like it, but it hasn't become official from Oregon State itself. Okay. So I think he's in school. Um, so that'd be a big pickup. Yeah, uh, that would be good. Um, there's some other like transfer stuff. I don't really care about that. So Fox, uh, there was uh, Larry Scott did an interview. I think it was with Nicole Arbuck um, with The Athletic. I think that was right. Hope, excuse me if I'm wrong. But Fox is more interested in picking up more 9 a.m. kickoffs for the Pac-12. I did uh, Pac-12 radio this week with uh, Guy Haberman and uh, Ryan Leaf, and they were asking about that. And, you know, on the show, I didn't realize that we are going to talk about that. And I was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. I mean, it, you know, if you can do, do like a Utah, so it's only a 10 a.m. game. But they want good games for that. And I think if you get a good game and it's on Fox and that, and they're really going to promote those spots because they love that. You know, their lead-in for the show, their pregame show has done really well. It's actually beat College Game Day on occasion. So they're going to promote the heck out of it if you get the thing. So I, I sort of on that show said, I'm for these 9 a.m. kickoffs, which I don't know if I've been in the past. I don't know. It, am I wrong? Do you think that's a good thing, bad thing? What do you think? I don't. I think it's completely fine. Um, I think there's some. There's a very passionate group of people who tailgate for games that's going to be upset by it. Yes. Um, and they're going to be vocally upset by it, and that's just what they're going to be. But I think for like, I mean, what what percentage of fans are actually doing that? Ten percent at most. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot yeah, of fans I mean, like the tailgate. Maybe it's a post-game tailgate or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but how many fans are even going to the games? I mean, it's not yeah. a huge – it's not like every fan who's going to watch the game is going to the game in the first place. And the ones who actually tailgate for the game is a small percentage of that. So, I don't know. I, I think for the vast majority of fans, it's going to put more interesting stuff on earlier in the day that you actually care about. Like, I'm not, I don't care about Iowa Rutgers at 9 a.m., like, what do I want to watch that? But you put on, you know, whatever, Utah Cal. Yeah, I'll watch that at 9 a.m. Great. Sounds great. And you being um, in Atlanta, you're watching it at noon anyway. So you, this is, well, this look, is so, good so, All right. So I, <laughs> I, I, I should put all my cards on the table. This is fantastic <laughs> for me. Fantastic. And so I am being, like, moderately disingenuous. And if I was still in California – and was doing what I did for the longest time, which was tailgating for games, <laughs> I'd probably be singing a different tune. But I'm not above just ta- talking about my own self-interest. And right now, that is, hey, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, and it it's going to be an important game. So it could be like, say, AS, I don't remember if ASU is at Utah this year. I don't have the schedule in front of me. But... You know, that could be a big one for the Pac-12 South. And, like, if that one's important and it gets on, it's on a 9, well, it'll be on 10 a.m., say, because it's on, uh, you know, play, say it's played at Utah. Well, I guess Arizona, I don't I forget what the time change there. Sometimes, sometimes on Utah time, sometimes on California time. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that w- that would be, like, an interesting kind of game. And I think people would still show up. Uh, and I think people would still watch. And it would be important enough. that And they would, Fox would make a big deal out of it, which... If there's a chance for Pac-12 to get their game, people make a big deal out of their games, I think that's something you kind of have to to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the last note, um, so Arizona also has passed a law, uh, a bill, and it's going to— I love—by the way, I love that you had to bring up, like, the last three notes because I clearly stopped caring. Like, I had skipped past all of these notes, 
but you're like going back to the ones that you care about and want to talk about and it's like i, I didn't read off any of them it's no really just it's beautiful that's okay i mean and there was a few we skipped that were uh transfer portal things that you know i think a lot of people didn't really know about but some of the, you know if i found it a little bit interesting i thought we'd talk about it but yeah, yeah. but the the compensation for athletes uh arizona is going to pass a bill similar to california's theirs is going to go into effect two years before california september 1st 2021 um and uh it will prohibit any organization including the ncaa from enforcing quote any rule that prevents a student athlete from earning compensation as a result of the student athlete's name, image, or likeness. So another, you know, this is another Pac-12 footprint uh, state that's doing that. So just more pressure on the NCAA. Um, I thought, isn't the Florida one or one of them goes into effect like this year? So yeah, they're going to need to get on it very soon. Like it'll, they'll need to announce something probably before this summer, I would guess. And they might have to talk to like every freaking state too, because if they come up with something that's sort of half-assed and all the states don't like it, they're just going to keep going on. They would have to come up with something that's good enough that you would say, okay, this doesn't go as far as the bill in Florida or the bill in California, but we'll take it. And you, you'd have, I think you'd have to get every state to agree. I mean, this could be a real... Mess. Yeah, the bare minimum they're going to have to do is give um, athletes rights to any profits off of their own, you know, name and likeness. Yeah. Like they're going to have to at minimum do that, and that might not be enough. I mean, some states are going to be a little bit more radical than that, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that really could, I mean, fully cripple the NCAA, which you know, we we would would be a cool wouldn't shed thing. too many tears for uh, no something like that happening. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Is this the first? I think the first question we have is from Will in New York City. He says, go dogs. Uh, hey guys, week one matchups for Pac-12 versus FBS opponents below. What are the chances the Pac-12 loses all of them? So Will's a, a glass half full kind of guy, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> so BYU at Utah. That's probably. I'm not picking BYU to ever beat Utah. No, uh, no. Oregon State at Oklahoma State. All right, that that'll be that'll be. Yeah, that's probably like a seventy thirty game in favor of Oklahoma State. Something like that. Eighty twenty. USC against Alabama in uh, Arlington, Texas. Yeah, Bama's gonna crush. Them. Yeah, that'll be a crushing. Uh, Michigan. Uh, I believe they're hosting Washington. Or is it neutral site? Oh yeah, it's first Washington. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a neutral site game? Let me just let me just pull it up. Let's let's get all our because we always misspeak about one of these in the early off season. So let's just get it straight right now. Yeah, it might Michigan, be Michigan. Washington is actually it's at Husky Stadium according to Vivid Seeds. Oh okay. Um, they said versus Washington, so it should be at Washington then. That's uh, right. Will I'll go Washington? What the hell? I, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm gonna I might roll the dice with uh, some Jimmy Lake love early it's on. It's a fifty fifty game. Yeah, what the hell? Why not? Yeah, and it's not like you know, and you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's never been on the West Coast, right? He doesn't know anything about the Pac twelve, so he, you know, that's gonna be a disadvantage for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way, way to catch that quick. Okay. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> UCLA. I can, what, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, my my brain is 
fully mush. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Dave, like I said, Dave's a little under the weather, but he's uh, gutting this out so we can uh, get it done for you guys. Um, UCLA at Hawaii. Yeah, UCLA will lose. That's right. I don't know. The coaching change stuff. It's Todd Graham. Yeah. he does, Familiar? Does he know anything about the Pac-12? Um, Nothing. Not, not a thing. I, so I was better that time. I got it. I kind of think. I picked it up. I think, I think UCLA. I'm gonna, I'd pick UCLA in that one, I think. I'm not. I, 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 I'm not even being like funny. I, I think they'll lose that game. Wow. Okay. Uh, Colorado at Colorado State. No, you got to go Buffs. Sure. Yeah. Um, TCU at Cal. Gotta go Cal. Yeah, right? like I, so TCU's kind of like one of those like roulette wheel teams where oh yeah, suddenly they're elite again and you don't know why. Right. So it could happen. Maybe they go like eleven and one this year. I don't know, but I, I'm gonna go Cal. Yeah, like TCU could be like the 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 pack the cat you know Cal's pack twelve for the for whatever for the Big Twelve the Cal version where there's that eleven and one potential in there you know uh, but they've actually done it unlike Cal. Yeah, um, yeah, no. Cal's gonna gorse you this year as long as uh, Garbers can stay healthy. As long as he does, I think they're gonna they're gonna score points. Uh, they kept. They're gonna go full Gorsey. Yeah, full Ryan Gorsey, twelve and zero, baby. Um, you got the you know what is it? Uh, Musgrave is the offensive coordinator now. Tim Drew is yeah. back as defensive coordinator, which I didn't hear his name out there as much as I thought. Um, because there was some, some defensive coordinator movement going on around the country. I thought he did a good enough job that people, but I, I didn't. Really, maybe I've just missed it, but I didn't really hear them talking about him that much. No, yeah, I didn't hear much uh, talk about him as a potential hire anywhere. Um, maybe because he works for a defensive-minded, you know, Wil- yeah. Wilcox being a defensive-minded coach. I don't know, but they, they, the fact that they get him back, I think, is a big deal. And uh, you know, with Garbers, and it could be a good offense. Uh, yep. And then. Uh, Washington at Utah. I mean, sorry, Washington State at Utah State. No idea, like zero. No idea how good Utah State's supposed to be. None. What Matt Wells left? Was it last year? Did, did Matt Wells leave last year, or is it before last year? Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a before trend. this past season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I, I'd probably still go with Wazoo and that. Um, yeah, why not? And then Oregon plays an FCS school. So that's the week one matchups. Thanks, Will, from New York City for for that. But no, I, I don't think they're going to lose all of them. I think there's a... No, they will not lose all of them. You might have a winning record. Almost, yeah, very, very, very possible. Yeah. All right, this is from Shane. It's very long. I will die. Oh, crap. Um, All right. One time in Pullman, a factoid piqued my interest the other day, and I dove a little deeper to let our small but passionately dysfunctional community know the incredible story of one of our storied programs. On a sunny September afternoon in 1998, fans in Pullman, Washington, watched their beloved Cougs eke out the first of three wins, a seven-point victory over a struggling Illinois team that would go on to win three games themselves. It seemed an insignificant moment, but those in attendance were watching college football history. Those fortunate few witnessed the only out-of-conference Power 5 opponent to ever come to Pullman. Yep. What? What? Yep, there is a Power 5 program that has managed to bring exactly one out-of-conference Power 5 opponent to their home stadium. Wow, I did not know that. Wow, what a, what a tidbit. 
Yes, they've played a couple Power 5 teams in Seattle, Rutgers, Oklahoma State, and they played a couple in Spokane back in the early 70s, and in return, they've played at Tennessee five times, at Iowa four times, at Nebraska three times, once in 1995, so that counts as like seven road games, <laughs> at Michigan three times, at Minnesota five times, at Texas, Auburn, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, and Michigan State twice each. One time they scheduled the series with Notre Dame with the front end in South Bend, and the return trip was in San Antonio. They've played Ohio State and Columbus seven times. In 1974, Ohio State traveled out west to return the favor. The game was played at Husky Stadium. That's a real thing that happened. You negotiated a seven-for-one seven split where you played the home game at your biggest rival stadium. Cougs, <laughs> you're the Washington Generals of event scheduling. Wow. But the real headliner, the real never forget that a job in Starkville, Mississippi is an unequivocal step up for historical perspective. Washington State once played Kansas on the road seven times in eight years. Washington State and Kansas played every year from 1970 to 1977, once in Spokane, seven times in Lawrence. So it's not just Ohio State. They seriously did a seven-for-one split with Kansas. Holy crap, Kansas was a sub-500 team, and you traveled 1,600 miles to their stadium to play them on their campus seven times. That's insane. What the hell are you, <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Cougs? What major program negotiates negotiates out-of-conference schedules as we will come to your stadium, and in return, we will also come to your stadium again and again and again and again. Even Oregon State had four Power 5 opponents come to Corvallis in the last decade. Now, of course, more than 20 years later, there are hundreds of thousands who tell the tale of being in Pullman on that September day in 1998, but those few who actually were know they were part of something truly special. Keep up the work, your friend and compatriot Shane. He then has a question. What is your POC Mount Rushmore of comedy films? You can debate and campaign for your own suggestions, but at the end, Ryan gets two, David gets two. Four comedies that stand above the rest, stand the test of time, and will make you laugh from now until Washington State plays another home game against the Power 5 team. Yes, they have Wisconsin scheduled for 2023, but that game will likely be moved to a neutral site like Green Bay or Milwaukee. Good luck, gentlemen. Huh. Um, I'm terrible at this trying to recall things, like just off the top of my head. Um... Yeah. Like, I, I think I'd put, like, Caddyshack there. Like, that's one that I like. I can think of that's just, like... It's classic. It's a classic sure. that I like. Um, well, you Okay, I, I gave you one. What's 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 another one? So, the, I, I'm really bad at this. And also, like, I just don't watch that many comedy films anymore. Because um, I, don't, I don't even know why. I've got a... I've got like a weird hang up with like watching comedy now that I need to probably self investigate about. But the two movies that I can remember laughing at the most, um, both incidentally, like I saw when I was like 12 or 13, which I think is somehow related. Um, There's something about Mary and Happy Gilmore. Those are the two movies that I can remember laughing, like just hysterically at the most and over like many repeated viewings. So I'll throw them both up there. I'm not elitist about this. I'm not going to go like Animal House or some crap like that. All right. Uh, well, we could, if we are a Pac-12 podcast, you could do Animal House because of. Um, I'm not into pandering either. I just picked like what some people consider like the third best Adam Sandler comedy and like a Fairly Brothers movie. Whatever. I don't care. I do love uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, another classic. A, a class. So Caddyshack, I think, would probably be considered. I mean, old school is pretty freaking funny. Um, yeah. man, 
like the Blues Brothers. That's a good one. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's that's. Is it is it that funny though? Yeah, that's true. It's I, like a, I, it's a fine movie about like a sociopathic like high school student, but is it like <laughs> funny? Yeah. Um, man. Were you uh, like super bad was pretty darn good. Yeah. Well, I like all those movies and they've got like funny bits, but I'm like trying to think of what movies like made me just laugh from like basically the opening scene to the end. Like which one was I just like busting up? Like what the first time I saw the scene where in something about Mary, where they're trying to, where he's trying to revive the dog after killing the dog. Yeah. Like that whole thing was like, I, I, I think I almost wet, wet my pants laughing. Yeah. Like, and again, I was like 12. So it's peak, you know, perfect time for that. But also like, that was funny as hell. Yeah. Um, that, that so, is a really good one. And the, the, with the, the hair gel stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's a funny, funny movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blazing Saddles was pretty freaking awesome. Great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. I, I love Ghostbusters so much. I think I'm going to have Ghostbusters in there. Ghostbusters is great. That's a great pick. Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, and then mine are, you know, two random things I watched when I was 13. Great. Did, did you like Stripes? Like, Stripes was pretty freaking funny. I don't even know that I've ever seen Stripes. Oh, it's good. It, it's, it's definitely worth uh, old school. Um, and The Hangover, the first Hangover was pretty awesome. Yeah, the first Hangover, like, I, I don't know. It's one of those movies where, you know how, like, the original Matrix, um, it got, I, honestly, I, like, lowered my impression of that movie based on the sequels. I think the fact that the hangover follow-ups were so bad yeah. made me like not like the original as much. Gotcha. Uh, but then I went back and watched the original Matrix again, and it really still holds up really well. It's still so good, yeah. Maybe I need to go revisit the original hangover again. Wedding Crashers? Wedding Crashers, that's another one that would be like close to it for me, because when I first saw that, was just like, wow, this is incredible. It was really good, yeah. Um, so good American Pie Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn peak of his powers Um, American Pie yeah it's not like in a pantheon level for me but yeah I mean there were there were some funny bits to it Um, honestly it's a stupid dumb movie Um, but again I was like 9 or 10 when I first saw it the original Ace Ventura yeah like just literally the opening scene where he's kicking the crap out of the like package he's supposed to deliver at the person's front door like just that whole opening thing was like, <laughs> wow, this is this is brilliant, brilliant stuff. And again, I was nine or ten, so yeah, I pick up for what it was. But I remember just watching that over and over again, and just like busting a gut the entire time. Princess Bride. Princess Bride's just a great movie. Yeah, I mean, funny. There's funny bits, but the, I mean, it's just also like really affecting. It's just a great movie. Yeah, the book is good too. I haven't read the book. I got to check that out. Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I love that one. Then what about like one of our Christmas traditions is uh, a Christmas story? Is that a, co- a comedy? That's a Christmas movie. Is it a comedy? It's a, it's a comedy. It's like an absurdist comedy, but it's a comedy. Yeah. And I, I actually went to the Christmas story house when I was in Cleveland. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was uh, it was different. <laughs> like people go like and take a little pilgrimages there and there's like a weird little gift shop across the street from it that is just for a Christmas story. Oh, wow. Like, and like for my older siblings, it was like a big touchstone thing for me. And like, I guess probably people younger than me, it's not. Um, but it was interesting, like full on just people going there like constantly throughout the day, just going to the Christmas story house to go check it out. 
Uh, and they've got the whole like foot lamp in the window. Yeah, the we, leg lamp. I saw yeah. that the leg lamp. I got a T-shirt of it for Christmas too. But all right, actually, the the WB lot. I did a tour. My mom was in town, so I took her on there. And then one of my friends works there, so she kind of gave us a little private tour. But they do tours now. And uh, one of the things we saw in like the prop area was the the lamp, which was pretty neat. Like that is pretty neat. That's pretty yeah. badass, you know. Like it was cool to see. Like I know you're not a big uh, Big Bang Theory guy, but they had it just ended, so they had the set with the couch and everything there, so you get to sit in like Sheldon's spot. And then they had the Friends thing because it was like the 25th anniversary, I think, of when Friends came out. So they had that there, so you could sit in that. But seeing the lamp, that was pretty badass. I was like, uh oh, seeing the seeing the lamp there was pretty neat. So another one that I would say was very incisive, um, like, and I would say this about probably Idiocracy too. I just didn't find it as good a movie, uh, but Office Space. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it was like again. I don't know how funny it was. There were certainly some funny bits, but like just the incisive commentary on what it's like to live in an, to work in an office, yeah, or just work generally in modern society was great. I need to see that again because, like, I feel like that's a movie I've watched like once or twice, and other people have watched it a zillion times, and I haven't. Um, and Idiocracy, like, I've heard about that's like where everyone's like drinking Gatorade because it's got electrolytes or something, but I, I think I've heard more about that. It's I've got actually what plants crave, it. man. It's got what plants crave. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, 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 I watch Idiocracy because it is like, wow, this is kind of prescient and it's happening a lot quicker than we thought it would. Um, but it's it's really good. Um, all the old Monty Pythons. I mean, some of those are, yeah, just brilliant stuff. I always liked. Uh, I don't know. This is the buddy movie from like the eighties, like Midnight Run with uh, yeah Groden and uh, what yeah and what's his name? Gr- Groden's great in that. And uh, what's what? Why am I blanking the the big actor's name? The the fam- the most famous guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't think of his um, name either. Um, but. I'll- uh, De Niro. Yeah, yeah, De Niro? Robert De Niro. Yeah, it's yeah. De Niro. Like them, you know, traipsing across and like they're in like the air like, you know, would you like smoking or non smoking on the flight? Like this, some of the references are just awesome because it's like the guy's smoking, he's like, Would you like smoking or non smoking? Like, take a wild guess or something like that. And uh yeah. the the mobster guy uh telling telling like one of his colleagues or one of his subordinates to like calm down, he's like Jimmy, eat a sandwich, drink a glass of milk, do some effing thing. You know, it's, it's like just all these lines from there I really liked. But I don't know if it's like a real, I guess it's a comedy, but um, it, it, that was a good one. I, I don't know. I always, I always liked that movie. Yeah. But that was like before your time and you, you've you seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I watched a bunch of movies. Yeah. I watched a bunch of stuff. Come on. Well, anyway, this is uh, Shane. Amazing email because it's a great off-season topic coupled with an amazing nugget with Washington. That's an incredible thing. Yeah. So what an email like you, if we had an award for emails of the week, you'd have been in our top five this week and we only have four emails. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's the kind of emails we like. Shane, Shane brings it. So yeah, Shane always brings it. Shane's always got the good emails. All right. We got an international one. Well, actually, I guess it's not international Vancouver, Washington. Uh, imp- that's the one. That's the one right across the, the uh, stream from Portland. Yeah. It, oh, okay. Uh, impor- this is the. This is. It's a tax haven. So people live there. So I'm going to see if I can get this right. They okay. Live there, but work in Portland, um, and so they can like buy stuff in Portland where there isn't a sales tax, but they live in Washington where there isn't an income tax. Gotcha. But they. But they work in Portland. The, 
Yeah. Yeah, but they their residence is in Washington. So they don't have to pay the income tax. That's I think that's right. Yeah. I think I've got that right. I don't think I have it backward, but yeah. And the Oregon's Eagle, the one where you Eagle ear listeners, let me know. Oregon is the one where you have to you can't pump your own gas too, right? Right. That was right. like a make work thing. Okay. Um, I think Oregon and New Jersey are the states where you can't pump your own gas. Yeah. My the town I grew up in, uh Milford, Mass, I think for a while for a long time they had it so you couldn't pump your gas there either, but it was like a town thing, not a uh state thing. Uh, all right, this is from Peter. He says, "I love that we talk about it like pumping your own gas is a privilege. I don't want to pump my own gas. No, please do. That's great. Just like don't don't talk to me under any circumstances whatsoever. But you want to pump my gas? Great. That sounds awesome. I don't have to get out of my car. It might be cold out, maybe wet. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It's not a get to. I don't have to. It's awesome. But there, they, when they used to have the full serve and." Self-serve, it was always more expensive for the full serve. So would you pay more so you don't have to get out of the car? I don't know. That's a choice I can make, certainly. Okay. But no, I wouldn't do that. But if they own the option, I'm not going to sit there and whine about it. Yeah. People whine about this sort of stuff. And I'm like, the level of independence you want is the ability to get out of your car, like mess around with a pump that like half the time doesn't work right. And then it does that thing where you put it into the automatic position and then it goes for a little bit and then it shuts off well before your tank is full. And then you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. And then you finally just get so frustrated that you just hold it for like five minutes, just letting the gas in like at a really slow trickle rate. And that's like a good experience that you want to fight somebody over. No, (laughs) stupid. Just let people pump your gas. It's great. It's a wonderful experience. You don't have to worry about it at all. Back in the day before credit cards were as popular, you were trying to get the exactly like on 20 bucks or whatever. So you would like do a little tap, a little tap, a little. And these guys are experts at that. They'll do it for you. I've gone and gotten gas in Oregon and they'll always hit the like dollar on the mark. It's always like 20 bucks even. Are they overfilling my tank sometimes? Sure. But that's why there's wiggle room in the tanks. They got a little wiggle room. And then for California, where our taxes are so high, I think there's like 60 cents of taxes or something on our gas alone. Uh, it's so much more expensive than everywhere else in the country, even like Hawaii, which is crazy. You figure we pay that much. Someone should be pumping our gas. Like, isn't it? Shouldn't this, that should be the, the full service price, not the self-service. Well, yeah. And also gas taxes are probably a little bit regressive. Oh, all right. Well, we don't. Wanna, I don't know if we're gonna get you into that right now. Uh, let's see. This is an important question. No, 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 no. <laughs> we've got we've got questions to get to. Two full ones more by the same person, I think, too. Um, yep. So this is, this is titled "An Important Question for the Conference." And like I said, Peter in Vancouver, Washington. Greetings, gentlemen. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and finally decided to ask a question. Well, thanks for that, Peter. Uh, this question is what I consider the most important question this off season for the conference. After missing the college football playoffs for three straight years, what will it take to get the Pac- to get a Pac-12 team back into the playoffs in 2020? The Pac-12 will fall further and further behind the other conferences unless it can prove they can put a team into the playoffs. And it will be even harder to keep the top recruits in the West to stay in the Pac-12 if they can't show that they can compete. You guys can debate the eight versus nine game conference schedule, but that's not going to change in 2020. Recruiting is pretty much set already. So are the coaches and now the schedule. What needs to happen this year to get a Pac-12 team back into the playoffs? That's from Peter. What do you think, Dave? It's going to sound, this is going to sound stupid and reductive, but 
they need a team that's good enough to make the playoff. And I don't mean that like in like this circular way. Right now, uh, the Pac-12 has this year they had a decent amount of goodish teams. Um, Oregon was a goodish team. Utah was a goodish team. Washington was a goodish team. USC was a goodish team. Even Washington State, you can make an argument, was a goodish team. Um, none of them were elite, um, provably so by the end of the year. Uh, you know, Oregon maybe you could make a semi argument about, but even still, no, it didn't quite cro- cross that threshold. By the end of the year, maybe they were playing like it, but their resume did not indicate it. And Utah got definitively trounced by Oregon. Um, so they lacked that elite team. And I think you can pretty fairly say, looking at like the analytic, you know, first look at eye test alone and then look at what the analytics tell you. There hasn't been an elite team in the Pac-12 since the last time the Pac-12 made the playoff. Washington was elite in 2016, which is why they made it. Um so I, it's just the, the, the league has been down from a quality perspective. You're not going to luck into the playoff um, just with generally the, the quality of non-conference a lot of these uh, Pac-12 teams play. And frankly, I mean, it, it still remains to be seen how much the ranking committee, the, the, the playoff committee is um, using analytics in their calculations. But if they are, no Pac-12 team has been worthy in now going on four years. So... The, the reality is they just need a team that's good enough. And I, I think there are some teams that have that potential. Um, you know, Oregon, if they can figure out their quarterback situation and find some stability on the offensive line, their defense is certainly elite. Uh, Washington, I think, has the potential to have an elite defense. And it's just a question of can they fill those spots on offense and actually take a step up from last year? Um, you know, I, I don't think ASU is re- quite at that level, but they might be the standard bearer in the South and they could always surge up to the top pretty quickly. Um, USC always has the talent, just remains to be seen rather than coaching. I mean, if I had to look at it right now, I would say the two best options, the two best potential options are Oregon and Washington yet again, and we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But um, just, you know, it's just a matter of that they've been down a little bit. And um, it's not like some uh, organizational difference or something with like the structure of the league. It's just the, the teams haven't been quite as good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think you, you mentioned USC because they got to play Alabama in the first game of the season. Obviously, if you beat Alabama, then you could do things. But that's I mean, that's not likely going to happen. They'll probably get blown out. And even if they make a run, then you're talking about say they win the rest of their games and they go 11 and one and they got some blowout loss to Alabama. I don't think that helps. So like for USC, you almost need to beat Alabama if you want to be in the conversation. Looking at, at – I think Washington's road is going to be tough too, but I think Oregon has a, a decent shot, uh, even though you're replacing a bunch of guys, some offensive linemen, Justin Herbert. you got North Dakota State to start, but Ohio State comes to Eugene. You know, they're, It's coming to Austin. They're coming to Austin. So uh, they're going to be replacing their quarterback as well. That's a, you know, that's a winnable game. If Oregon beats Ohio State, they, I, I think they got a really good shot. Then you win the Pac-12, and you're almost, you know, without if as long as you don't lose a couple stupid games, then they're probably in. You know, like you might know September 12th for Oregon. Uh, you know, they play Hawaii at home, so they start. You know, at the first five weeks of the season, they have four home games. They go on the road to play Colorado, and then they have Washington coming to uh, Eugene. So, I mean, a five and zero start going into the bye week. Uh, 
they're going to be a top four team probably at that point. I would think if they can if they can do that. You know, they got to play Cal on the road. That's not going to be an easy game. Uh, they play USC at home. They play Arizona State at home. Um, so I mean, they they have a really favorable home schedule. Then they're you know they end the season at at Washington State and Oregon State, but. I like the way this the schedule sets up for Oregon, um, and that that week two matchup is huge for the Pac-12. You know, it didn't help that Oregon lost to Auburn last year. Well, this one you get at home, so I think the Pac-12 has to take care of business. Oregon has to take care of business, and that will. And if Oregon is that elite, any team that you know, if there's another team like a Washington ends up beating Oregon. Uh, I think that's going to be a resume booster. So it to me, it's it's probably going to you know for the Pac-12 to make the playoff. I think Oregon has to beat Ohio State week two, almost no matter what. Okay, cool. Yeah, this we I have another about. one from uh, we have another one from Peter of Vancouver. Okay, uh, gentlemen, this is my second message. I wanted this discussed separately from the last. Okay, well you have your wish. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to hear you discuss the non-conference schedules for the Pac-12 teams. I don't recall having so many of the top teams in the conference playing top teams in other conferences. Sometimes there would be a mediocre Pac-12 team like UCLA playing a team like Oklahoma, which is a big mismatch, or a team like Washington playing a poor team like Rutgers. We have seen a few good-on-good games like Oregon and Washington playing Auburn, but maybe one or two per year, and I don't remember the last time one of those has gone in the favor of the Pac-12 school. I won't ask you to research this since I don't know if that is what you guys like to do. We don't. Uh, this year, there are several matchups, including USC, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, and Washington, Michigan. To review, the other non-conference games against Power 5 opponents are Arizona, Texas Tech, Cal, TCU, Colorado, Texas A&M, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Stanford, Notre Dame, USC, Notre Dame. So there are lots of opportunities for the Pac-12 to look good, especially in the early part of the season. My question is, which of the non-conference matchups is the most likely to have a positive view of the conference? Uh, obviously a USC win over Alabama would be great for the conference, but that has to be weighed against the likelihood of that happening. I mean, Washington, Washington, Michigan is going to be a big game. Yeah. Um, cause Michigan for whatever the, the conversation is around Jim Harbaugh as a coach, they're consistently like analytics always respects Michigan as like a top 10, top 15 team. Um, if Washington can win that game, that's going to put them in really good shape, um, going into conference. Play. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one that I think is a 50, 50 type game. Um, Oregon, Ohio state. I mean, as you pointed out, I think that's another huge one. It is. And I think if you look at Washington's schedule, um, I think that still the Oregon Ohio state game is big. The, the USC Alabama game just is like a pipe, like, you know, yeah. If, if somehow USC wins that game, that helps the entire conference, but it just seems very unlikely. The opening weekend with Michigan coming to Seattle is really big, but if say Washington can win that game, you got games against Sacramento State and Utah State, and then Washington has a bye week heading into Eugene to play Oregon. Now, if Oregon's coming off, you know, if if they're they have a four zero start at that point and they've already beat Ohio State, and, and a win for Washington really helps their resume, you know. So, you know, Washington losing to Michigan, Oregon losing to Ohio State you're taking out your two big contenders right away. And it just doesn't, it seems like the playoff is very unlikely at that point. The problem with Washington though, is the rest of their schedule isn't as favorable as Oregon's. Not only do you have to play Oregon uh, on the road, they also play at Cal. Uh, They play at Utah. They go to at USC. 
So, and, and, you know, they play at Washington State, but um, it's, you know, it's not as easy of a Pac-12 schedule, I think, for Washington that it is for Oregon. So, uh, you know, looking at that game, and they, they don't have to play Arizona State, um, which I guess is a, is, a, is a benefit. But for for Washington, I think it's a little bit tougher of a road, but it would really help Washington uh, an 11-1 Washington team with a win at Oregon, I think, would be a big boost if that Oregon team, like I said, already beat Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think a uh, Washington team that had like a Michigan um, win at 11-1 and regardless would kind of have a pretty good shot. But yeah, I think that's right. Um, and then, you know, Colorado's probably not going to be high enough and Texas A&M will probably be middle of the road too. I don't know how much that'll affect the Cal TCU one could be could be big, um, you know. If Cal does make a run, which we think they can, Arizona, Texas Tech, you know, it's I think it'll be helpful. Um, but it, you know, and, and Stanford, I, I just don't see them being an elite team. So and USC, Notre Dame, I just don't think it will mean much unless USC had already beaten Alabama. So um, I, I do like the Cal TCU matchup. I think that could be uh, an interesting one. Yeah, that one's tough to know at this point. Arizona-Texas Tech, I have a hard time believing it'll be meaningful um, just because Arizona was so bad this year. Um, and I don't think Texas Tech was good. Um, I'll have to go back and look, but I don't think they were any good. So I have a hard time seeing that one being meaningful. But Cal-TCU, yeah, you just kind of don't know. Cal could be good. Like yeah. They could be what they were like seemingly on track to do before Garber's injury, which was like a seemed like a 9-3 and three year was in the offing. Um, so... They could be pretty good next year. Um, and Colorado, I mean, it's going to be interesting. They were better than I expected this year. Yeah. Um, replacing Steven Montez, what what's that going to entail? And Texas A&M, I think analytics will tell you they were better than their record. Um, but Jimbo Fisher didn't didn't take them to great heights in year two. Um, so, yeah, I, there's, a, there's a lot of really intriguing non-conference games uh, this year. Um, and I think I'm like... Last year, I don't remember it being as fun in non-conference. So um, this, I think, this is this will give us a much better, clearer picture of uh, where teams are early. I think. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. And uh, so it's funny. I was doing the Peristyle podcast. I was doing an episode yesterday, and we were talking about some of the opponents, and I talked about. And I'm like, yeah, my Cal Bears. And I'm like, <laughs> I just said that like on a USC podcast, like you know, Chase Garbers <laughs> is my guy. You know, it's like all this stuff. Um, but I, you know, I, I like, like, I, I like Tim DeRuiter. I covered him at Fresno state and, uh, you know, Garbers, I've been uh, a champion for cause uh, you know, MVP of the league. So I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to predict Cal to have a pretty good record this year. I would think. Yeah. Assuming, assuming the MVP of the league stays healthy. Yeah. They need him to stay healthy. So, all right. I think that's all we got. Oh, thank God. Is that it? Yeah. You did good. How are you feeling? All right. Did we, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in, I'm hanging in. Yeah. Need to need to hit the hay. Okay. But I'm hanging in there for you out there, the people. We want that participation trophy. So we're going to bring you a show. That's all we as want. As bad as it may be, we're going to still bring you a show. I want to hearken back to my youth. I want a crappy plastic trophy with like some unrecognizable figure doing something unrecognizably like a soccer motion. And I want that on a little pedestal. That's the kind of trophy I want. Nice. Can you get it for me? I, I think we could do that. I think we could work something out. That is what I want. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, take some uh, take some drugs, go to sleep, 
And uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll talk to you next week, Dave. Great, great. <laughs> I don't know. I just want you to feel better. You know, have some orange juice, some vitamin C. Get that stuff in there. You know, feel better. Uh, but we'll wrap it up. That is David Woods. Does a great job covering the Bruins over at Bro. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. Covered the Trojans, uscfootball.com. Thank you guys all for listening to the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.